You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson of The Athletic. We are two days away from Notre Dame, number nine Notre Dame, again, hosting number seven Cincinnati. Notre Dame shooting for its 27th straight victory at home. They are an underdog, however, which makes things a little bit more interesting. We talked to Brian Kelly at noon today. Kurt Heinisch is out for the game. Uh, he was a little vague as to the injury. Apparently it is not. Uh, concussion related like it like he had in in August I, I'm assuming that was concussion in August now or maybe it was related to this I don't know but they're encouraged by him coming back however he will not be back for this weekend's game against Cincinnati the news is not as encouraging on the return of Blake Fisher and Michael Carmody back in practice I would anticipate Michael Carmody steps back into the starting lineup and there's Hi. the get the do we want to talk about quarterbacks there's that too. Later in the show. Yeah, I was, uh, I was gonna leave. I was gonna go into that with our second okay. topic, but yeah, I mean, I think Howard Cross showed himself really well, um, and he seems to be a guy that um, I know. Priester, you were high on him coming out of high school, but um, you know, internally around Notre Dame, people are very high on. Um, people light up when they talk about Howard Cross or Howie, as Howie, Jason yeah. Adamillo calls yeah, him, uh, which I enjoyed. Um, Car- they have to have Carmody back, I think, to make the offensive line just a little bit better because it's it's not going to be great, but every little bit helps. Um, and Carmody, I think, would be would be could be could be significant if he can go. Well, he he beat out Baker. Um, clearly beat out Baker because he flipped to the other side when they needed someone at left tackle too. He beat out Baker at right side, beat out Baker at the left side. Uh, so as long as he's healthy, I completely agree. You get him in there. I think my, my hope for Baker was remember before the Purdue game with an entire week of practice, knowing your first string and all that, it helps you. It helps your focus, especially for a young player. Um, I think he just needs time in the weight room and strength. He's, he's not as strong as you would think Tosh Baker would be either. I don't think it's only his feet. I don't think he's as strong. So that, that was the word on him. Yeah, I mean, it's still in the, in the summer. In the, yeah, yeah, in the summer. Yeah. So, uh, so Carmody, yeah, Pete, I agree. Carmody will help. Um, they definitely need him out there. I, I really like Joe Alden in that other role. So hopefully, Carmody can fill the left tackle role while Alt can fill the uh, kind of that hybrid tight end extra tackle role that uh, that they need to mix in. And I'm still on record as saying I got you. I got to get out of more twelve package sets with Takas because I just don't. He's not a threat, and I don't think his blocking is an aid over spreading the field. If that's, that's the best way I can put it. I mean, I thought in the spring, it looked like it would be, but yeah, me too. You know, there's a lot of things that you see in the spring that you don't see come August. And once the season starts, as it relates to the quarterbacks, Brian Kelly said that uh, Jack Cohn, first of all, Jack Cohn and Drew Pine, both were working with the ones Butner is healthy. It sounds like. And so he's getting his uh, package reps in the number two role, but Cohn practiced on Wednesday. They feel like he's a little bit ahead of schedule. Brian Kelly stopped short of saying, you know, exactly what they're going to do at the quarterback position because a lot depends, I would imagine, on practice today. But it sounds like uh, Cohn is healthy. I think a lot of people might have been hoping that he wasn't quite as healthy so they could see Drew Pine in the starting role. We'll know for sure on Saturday. But, uh, guys, your assessment of that situation at quarterback as we move into Thursday's practice. I mean, we've covered Brian Kelly for 12 years. I don't read too much into his injury updates um, based on the previous 12 years. So, I, you know, we'll see on Saturday, right? Um, it certainly sounds like Jack Cohn practiced 
somewhat this week. You know, the, what does splitting 15, first team reps look like? I don't, I don't really know, um, you know, because we're not out there. But when we, we were there on Tuesday for interviews, he was in full gear walking off the field with Tommy Reese. So after practice, so we'll, that that's really the only visual evidence that I have that Jack Cohn has done anything this week. But I, I mean, I know you guys have written or talked a little bit about like, eh, maybe they should go with Pine. Um, I'm, I'm maybe not there, but uh, it, it's got to be something that's under consideration. It certainly sounds like that, that it is for Brian Kelly. Yeah. I want to, I, that's just what I wanted to talk about is there, there's two ways of looking at this for me. I, I go back to, I really think Cone's arm can test Cincinnati in press coverage more than Drew Pine will over the course of 40 passes and over the course of four quarters. And I am not a backup quarterback as soon as you see him guy, because I'm no longer, I'm not 11 anymore. When I was a young kid, I used to love the backup quarterback for every team. Cause it's always kind of cool to see Terry Andreziak come in and throw a pass. And then you find out, Oh, Burlines in the pros. So maybe he was better the whole time, but <laughs> If, if this honestly with the offensive line and Pete, you kind of referenced this. Can you choose a quarterback because of your offensive line? I think you can when Drew Pine can just clearly move better than Jack Cohn. I think Drew Pine's mobility is a greater advantage over Cohn's lack of mobility than Cohn's arm is over Pine's arm. Is that the most I think that's way fair. to put it? No, okay, I think that's that, fair. So that's the only, that's how I am changing. I really kind of want to see all three quarterbacks. It sounds the most ridiculous thing I've said other than abandon the running game. I don't think it would hurt them. I really don't. I don't mean all in one game. I mean, like to get through the next few games. No, 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 no. (laughs) To get through the next few games. Like I think you could almost game plan. I just, it is a, it's a strange situation. Um, I am not a put in the backup guy, but the change is almost like change for the sake of it that worked. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, Tim, you and I talked about this after the Monday podcast. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I just, but I, maybe I everybody think, has a point. I think it's more, uh, to quote Ted Lasso, more curiosity than judgmental. Um, this is my first Ted Lasso quote. Yeah, I'm like, all right, you're, you're getting now that, that I'm getting now that I'm uh, <laughs> now that I'm knee deep in and loving it, but. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of intrigued by, and in, in this, we all know that the the sample size with Drew Pine is is very small. And I've written this and said this a couple of times that we've seen all of Cone's blemishes, we just haven't seen Pines, and exactly. we're certainly going to see them as as he plays more. And the same way with Tyler Buckner as well, especially at this stage of his career. But I, I just, as you're sitting there watching the game unfold Saturday. I'm feeling pretty darn confident in, in Drew Pine leading the, leading the operation. Um, and yeah, a lot of Nordic fans are too, because of what you said, Tim, that you're always kind of fascinated by the backup guy, but he just inspires a lot of confidence. Um, and, and we know that to be true of him as a person and a leader on the team. So I, I, I trust to a large degree that Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese and the coaching staff will make the right decision. Um, but I think Drew Pine's really, really intriguing because his leadership qualities kind of jump out at you when you watch him play. I asked Brian Kelly this today, and I, don't, I asked him two questions, and he kind of answered the second one, but the first, not the first. And the first was like, you know, does does a play does a call sheet change for Reese if it's Pine versus Cone? I think it has to, right? Like, yeah, you're not, not going to take the deep shots with Drew Pine that you are with Jack Cone. Um, 
nor are you going to ask Drew Pine to just stand in the pocket the way that you do with Jack Cohn. So it's, you know, is that two entirely different game plans? That might be a little dramatic, but they certainly are are going to accentuate different parts of the call sheet for Reese, don't you think? Yeah, I, I don't think it's different game plans. I think it's, this is what Drew does best. Remember these 20 plays, as opposed to what Jack does best, these yeah. plays we're working through. You know, we have a question in the second segment about rolling uh, rolling Cone out. I mean, I, I, I really like the way the first pass that Drew Pine threw where he rolled out and we would have seen Ian Book and, and, and Jack Cone throw that pass away, but he hung with it, looked to the back of the field. Davis worked his way back from the sideline and they made a play out of something that generally is not a play. Let's be fair to Ian Book. He would have gained six yards. Well, that's true. He would have, yeah. <laughs> he, would that have, one, he would have gained six. No, but yeah. Ian Book makes no, but we also saw we also yes. saw him get flushed and throw it away oh, a million sure, times, sure. as he should to a large extent. Let's I we uh, we have a ton of questions on Cincinnati, but I do want to introduce them here in the in the first segment. Notre Dame is a two point underdog. They're a good football team. I know people can go ahead and shoot that down and say the level of competition and what have you. I try to judge a team based upon the individual players, which is what. Not saying that I'm a scout, of course, but scouts do in the NFL. That's how guys at lesser schools get drafted in the first and second round all the time. So I realize they're playing lesser schools. Tim, you and I talked about Murray State. I am here to tell you that Murray State gave them everything that they could possibly handle in the first half, and then Cincinnati pulled away from them in, in the second half. I We also have a question in the second segment about whether this is a better team, better Cincinnati team than last year. And we'll answer that at that point. But, um, I, you know, I, I thought that I would be, I hate to even say it out loud, I thought I would be a little bit more impressed by Cincinnati on tape than, than I was. Having said that, if Notre Dame doesn't play well, they're going, going to lose this game. Sure. It, well, they've lost, the, they've lost the margin for error if everything else doesn't play well because the, the offensive line can only play okay at best, right? To be fair, maybe at this point that you could look and say, all right, you know what? They allowed three sacks, five pressures. None of them were terrible. You know, it wasn't, they, they, they got them to enough second sixes that they were able to run the playbook, but you're not going to say, man, it, somebody asked about, is this, can the switch flip? It, the switch cannot flip. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, it doesn't that, work that way. That, it doesn't work that way. Having they can said improve. That, I think, they can improve. Yeah, they can. And I think, I really think Notre Dame can run, have success running the football. Now I don't want to put a number on it because that number ends up can often be meaningless. It's when you are productive in the running game, right. like they have been in really, really small instances in the second half of the last two games. At one time on fourth down, they were successful in the running game, but it was an important time to be successful. No, I'm saying really no, was, yeah. because Kyron Williams had, like couple, yeah, a seven-yard run and three six-yard runs in the second half, which and if he he can both halves this game, that's right. Seven, six, nine, seven, eight, yeah, seven. You need for to, Kyron you need to have some yeah, twelve and fifteen yarders mixed in there. I get it. I get it. What I mean, just what are your guys' thought, Pete? Your thoughts on this Cincinnati team and what you think you're going to see with uh, them matching up against Notre I did, Saturday. I did a sort of a back and forth with Justin Williams who covers Cincinnati for us at the athletic. And I mean, his, he felt like one, he, he said what Brian Kelly said today, that Desmond Ritter's deep ball has improved quite a bit, um, that he's much more of an all field thrower than he was a year ago. He thought that 
Cincinnati was susceptible to like the inside run game um, that they weren't very strong at that spot. Um, talking to him, I am very concerned that we're going to get like a Kevin Austin Purdue performance uh, on Saturday. Same, same concern. Here. Yeah. Um, and he felt like Michael Mayer is plays into one Cincinnati's defensive weaknesses at linebacker. Um, and that needs, if Notre Dame is going to win Michael Mayer, we're talking about nine catches for 102 yards and a touchdown at least. I I mean, I looked at it the exact same way. I think this is a huge day for Michael Mayer. I think it's a difficult day for Kevin Austin. I think it can be a big day for, for Avery Davis. Um, I, I really love the game of Will linebacker Darian Beavers. He wore 27 last year. He wears zero this year. The fact that Joel DeBlanco, number 41 there, Mike linebacker, starts for them. If I'm a Cincinnati fan, I am alarmed by that. I think Notre Dame can abuse him in this game. I really, really do. And I think we're getting a lot of the same feedback. Um, just think of it this way if you're a Notre Dame fan. How upset were you that Notre Dame was running a 3-3-5 while Florida State just kept running the ball and other teams are running the ball? Get out of the 3-3-5 is what everybody kept saying, right? Well, when I, you, Pete, you talk to that guy, your, your colleague at The Athletic, I talked to David Simone at Bearcat Insider. He's like, you know, the 3-3-5 is susceptible to, to the running game, especially the inside running game. So if Notre Dame can do it, and of course, I'm reading over that thinking, well, Notre Dame can't do it. But Right. That's, that was my reaction, too. Yeah. Like, well, that's that's the weakness that that's yeah, but if the you, weakness of Cincinnati where Notre Dame is actually weaker. If you look at Cincinnati, they, they, they're vulnerable to that. They just are. And Notre um, Dame needs to exploit it. Like it's when we said, throw it out with Wisconsin and Tim, you didn't want to go quite that far. And that was probably the boy, the measured voice on that one. You can't throw it out this week. Cause that's what they're doing. No, you don't want Wisconsin to. Wasn't you, you wouldn't want to. I know Wisconsin had a three-man front a lot, but it was not the exact same type. But of they, they, they have four <laughs> yeah, they, great they, linebackers behind them. And two of them are crashing at all times. Yeah, it was yeah. not – It was that was – they are a good run-stopping team, Wisconsin. Um, it, it's a unique challenge that if that – and I think of – when you said the Purdue-Kevin Austin, Pete, I think of – because of the quality of corner, I think of the Michigan State-Davaris-Daniels game where you're mm. like, wow, Darkeese Denard is a first-round draft pick and – Varys Daniels needs two years to get to that level. And I think Sauce Gardner is a first-round draft pick, and Kevin Austin needs another year to get to that compete level. So I would love to see Austin prove me wrong, and he could. And it's probably not Darkeese Denard. I don't want to go that crazy because that's a, that's a physical dude. <laughs> but, you can uh, go Trey Waynes if you want. Yeah, we can go Trey Waynes. There were uh, it, it, there's some interesting matchups in this one, and I have heard all about how they can't guard Mayer either. And that's, that plays into Notre Dame's hands. If they have to do something different to handle Mayer, that will open up the running game. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know what they do with Darian Beavers. He's really good. He's a really good linebacker. Um, so do they assign him to to Mayor? I don't have enough depth of knowledge to of Cincinnati to know that here. But um, you know, in the other matchup, okay, so if Ahmad Sauce Gardner is up against Kevin Austin, then Kobe Bryant's going against Braden Lindsay, and Braden Lindsay's that's a tough matchup for him too, man. Um, you know, so uh, maybe you dig a little bit deeper into your receiving core. I would still like to see just Deion Colsey, just give him an opportunity to make a play with his length. I don't know how you fit him in because he's a W 
you know, like Austin, you don't want Austin coming off the field. Um, you know, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tough matchup for Notre Dame, but I do think you can run it a little bit. And if you can run it a little bit, then it opens some, some other things uh, up on the other side. Well, you know what? We've got so many questions in second, second segment on Cincinnati. Let's just go ahead and continue this conversation in segment two, burning up the boards. Are you a business owner looking for an all-in-one point-of-sale and business management solution? Then visit Clover.com. Clover from Fiserv, an official payment and commerce partner of Notre Dame Athletics, can help. From accepting payments to tracking inventory, running loyalty programs, and everything in between, Clover helps businesses thrive. Visit Clover.com to learn more. Burning up the board, segment two, we start with a question from Twitter. Brian Milam1973, does Desmond Ritter understand the phrase bulletin board material? Probably not because it doesn't exist anymore. Um, just as just as old timers, I don't know how how old Brian is, but uh, Desmond Ritter. I, I mean, I didn't put too much stock in it. He was asked about the crowd, and he just kind of said, "You know, we're going to quiet the crowd. Big deal." I mean, is that a big deal? That's not a big uh, deal, is it? I mean, Notre Dame Stadium is not that loud anyway. Um, like I think it's in, in, there. in a classic college football sense for like hostile environment where how when I said hostile environment how far down the list do you have to get before you get to an artist state yeah but I think I, they're making progress don't yeah, you I, I mean I, sure. I, I was I've been really impressed with the the student body so far this year in progress it's definitely better but I yeah I, and I, it's I, all- I guess I'm not, not sure what you want him to say other than to say nothing. Yeah. And, 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 and the other thing is, I mean, Cincinnati hasn't, you know, they haven't been in environments this large, generally speaking. No, I mean, I, I'm interested to sort of see what the fan breakdown is on Saturday as well. Like this game sold out in the summer, USC did not. So doesn't that indicate that there would Mm. be a pretty good, chunk of Cincinnati fans who are going to make this trip. Um, so yeah, I, don't, I think it's going to be a cool environment on Saturday, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be an overwhelmingly um, raucous Notre Dame crowd. You know, I think it'll be much better than normal. Uh, I, I'm with Tim. They make, they've made some progress. I felt the Purdue game had some energy going. Um, really did. Yeah. And, and when you say progress, it's not like the offensive line we talk about where they want to get a gain of six and a gain of five. I think they made some actual progress <laughs> as the crowd, yeah. but you know, I will say about the bulletin board notion, there are guys in this team that just don't like the other team automatically, and that's much more important than someone feeling slighted and all of a sudden playing harder. I mean, they're going to have words for Michael Young. You don't think if Kyle Hamilton lights up Michael Young, he's going to become this close to a taunting penalty, just like he was with Phil Dracovic on 75 snaps last year when he wouldn't get out of his face after everything Dracovic did. He literally, Heinish who had a problem with Dracovic's former high school, those two were at rivals, and Kyle Hamilton said something on every play that, that was not a game for Boston College. And Drew White and Jason Adamiola and Bo Bauer and Riley Mills and a bunch of other guys act the exact same way. That's That has nothing to do with what Desmond Ritter said. No, and I, I think the Cincinnati motivation is like – heavy into Freeman. Like there are Cincinnati players who feel slighted by Freeman leaving. Um, Yeah. And like, this is, it was sort of a welcome to college football as a business moment for some of them. Um, 
but that that doesn't make it easier to process for a 19, 20 year old who went to Cincinnati because of Marcus Freeman. And then Marcus Freeman packs up and leaves for Notre Dame. So, sure. I mean, a quote from one of the players was like, we want to show Marcus Freeman that he made a mistake. Yo. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely some juice with that. Let's uh, let's check his uh, ch- uh, banking sure. account to see if he made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, right. Question from Logan. Bassum, major. Besides Desmond Ritter and Sauce Gardner, who are the stars on the Cincinnati team? They've got a few. I, I I do like I do like their team. Yeah, I mean, like my Jay Sanders, defensive end, is very talented. Uh, Ford, their running back, was good enough that he played at Alabama before transferring yeah, to Cincinnati. So you... I mean, they have they have some guys. Um, some of them are you know, good recruits who transferred, but a lot of them are sort of your quintessential three-star developed really hard uh, by Fickle and Freeman. I mean, look, was, the reason Marcus Freeman is here is because he's such a great developer of talent. Right, good call. Yes. And now Notre Dame has to go against all the talent that he developed. I mean, I think the key is, and you touched on the players, Beavers, of course, but I really think the key is how they play with the press coverage, and that is going to make them seem even more talented. If Notre Dame's players have not improved getting off press coverage in the last couple of weeks, because it was it, it was not what I expected in the Purdue game, but I still believe Kevin Austin, Kevin Austin's headspace was somewhere else. I don't think that was all Kevin Austin's inability to separate, because he's separated in every other game. Um, Braden Lindsay has to make a player not be on the field anymore because they have other, it's at this point you need, as Pete and I, we talked about on Monday, why we believe he, or I, maybe I said why he has to be on the field because the threat of him going down the field has to help this offense. They don't have, otherwise you're just no running game and no deep threat. What are Kevin Austin and Michael Mayer and Avery Davis to do in that situation? So he's got to make a play. I mean, they obviously have confidence in him still. They, they go to Braden Lindsay plenty, right? I think they, Oh yeah, they go and he he's confident. He even said, "I thought he gave a good interview on uh, on Tuesday." He said, "You know, I uh, in the past, if I couldn't get deep, I didn't have much value." He, he used the word, and then he said, "Now I think I, I've been helping the team." It's just very frustrating that we haven't hit one deep. They're over six throwing deep with a drop touchdown, to Lindsay, and you need to be you probably need to be one for three for fifty yards in this game. Uh, other good players for Cincinnati, Alec Pierce, or wide receiver. Brian Kelly mentioned uh, Ben Skoranek and talking about him. I think he's maybe a little bit more, a little bit more athletic. Maybe not as physical, but a good player. Uh, I like Arquan Bush. They're they're nickelback. He's kind of the uh, outspoken one, so to speak, in the back end of the defense and a physical presence. I don't like their safeties uh, as tacklers in the open field. Um, you know, my Jay Sanders is, yeah, he's, he's a good, he's quick. Uh, he's good, but Tyler Scott's been good for them at a wide receiver. So they have some, they have some players too. Michael Young would yeah. absolutely start ahead of Braden Lindsay at Notre Dame. Dip 98. Why is Cincinnati ranked number seven in the country? If another random group of five team had blown out Miami of Ohio was tied with Murray state at halftime and struggled with turnover prone Indiana, would they be ranked number seven? or even number 17. Is this ranking more of a reflection of last year's team, one that pushed Georgia to the brink in the Peach Bowl? If so, can we please request a re-ranking where Notre Dame gets credit for last year's offensive line? If you do that, then Notre Dame's going to be getting some overrated chance for being number two in the country right now, and I don't think Notre Dame fans want to hear that, right? You get a re-ranking, you put them at number two in the country. But uh, I, I think that's 
underestimating and undervalue what Pete just said, what Marcus Freeman left at Cincinnati and Cincinnati's winning culture. And of course they got a bump for almost beating Georgia. That's how college football works. Notre Dame got a bump when Miles Boykin made a circus catch of all time going into 2018 season, right? And all the good vibes that came out of that. I mean, the program has been on, a, on an ascent ever since that moment. I, we're not giving enough credit to Cincinnati, even though I agree that Notre Dame has the argument of they do have more players than Cincinnati and they can exploit them. But I mean, come on, Cincinnati's what people aren't happy because they didn't kill Indiana. Notre Dame has yeah, killed they Cincinnati, I think, got more credit for losing to Georgia than they did for winning their other nine games. Um, for sure. So from, that from me helps. too. Uh, but then also it's like when it's college football with 2021, if you have a returning quarterback who is a potential NFL guy, people round up on your ranking, um, which I, which I get, um, that doesn't mean that you're good see North Carolina or see USC, but Ritter is legitimately good. And there aren't a, a really good quarterback is a rare commodity in college football. So Cincinnati has one. So, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with their ranking. Somebody has to be seven. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're well coached. They're talented. They're what they're 37 and five over the last three plus seasons. Um, and Notre Dame's 34 and six, or I might have those slipped around. I think Notre Dame is 37 and five and Cincinnati's 34, 34 and six. And six yeah. So, they just have, they have a winning culture. I mean, they're, they're serial winners, much like Notre Dame. Um, so somebody has to be seven, somebody has to be nine. You know, if you flip them, that'd be fine too, but they're both good. Well, that, I mean, that's why, you know, when people start comparing three stars and four stars and look, I get all that, but the fact of the matter is it is a winning program. It has been developed to this level. I can't vouch for every team in the country. So it's hard for me to say, are they the seventh best team in the country? I have to be honest. I think it's a little bit high considering how they played up to this point. Sure. But Notre Dame got Notre Dame gets dinged for, for not, you know, blowing out Toledo and they drop like how many spots, like four or five spots. And I'm telling you, Murray state for 30 minutes had Cincinnati's back to the wall. I mean, they were running on them and throwing on them. The final stats don't necessarily say that, but, I don't know. Seven seems a little bit high to me. Who gives a damn? What's the difference? I mean, it's you, you get a chance to play them Saturday in, on your home field in your home stadium. Who cares? We actually have a relate, accidentally related question following up, Tim. When you okay. said, who cares about number seven? It might matter if Notre Dame wins. They're number seven instead of number 17, well, right? No, I would agree. And Notre, yeah, well, Okay, let's go ahead and ask the question. It's a big deal. Denver Maximus. Many Experts are pegging this game as the game for Cincinnati to prove they belong in the playoff discussion if they beat Notre Dame. What if Notre Dame wins? What does that tell you and say to the rest of the country? If Notre Dame wins this game, that should be a huge win for them. They should they should definitely bump up. You can't – you got to play it both ways. That's a huge win for Notre Dame Saturday. Oh, I agree 100%. I mean, I think this would be – you know, the Wisconsin game – Wisconsin, you came out of there thinking like, yeah, okay, but maybe we overvalued Wisconsin because Graham Mertz is not putting anything together. There's no, there's no uncertainty with Cincinnati. We know they're really good. Um, and I think Notre Dame, if they win this, will get a lot of credit that lasts the rest of the season because they will have a win over a team that probably went 12-1 and one and won the American Athletic Conference. So that that will hold up quite nicely the rest of the way. And when I say that I thought 
Cincinnati would look better on film. I oh, now I'm providing a bulletin board material, but I the reason they're they don't look as good as they did last year is because they lost their two tackles, they lost their two safeties of the NFL draft. Um, and what's the other position I'm missing here? Now I they they lost two you know, two veteran linebackers too. I don't think that they're as good as they were. Of course, Notre Dame clearly is not as good as they were last year either. They lost a really good coordinator too. They lost a really yeah. good coordinator. You know, I, I to, to Pete's point or to your, both of your points, like if Notre Dame wins this game and Arkansas loses to Georgia, why in the world would Notre Dame not be ranked ahead of Iowa and Oklahoma? Well, in the real, in the real yeah, world. Oklahoma is one. What is... When has Oklahoma played well this year? Yeah, I mean, I mean Iowa's beaten Iowa State. <laughs> awesome. That's a that's a giant win in this world. I mean, I think Iowa's a good team too, but now we're starting to look at things. We say well, they beat Cincinnati, beat number seven Cincinnati after beating number 18 Wisconsin. And then, well, Wisconsin's not going to be ranked anymore. All right, that's because Notre Dame beat them. And because number four Penn State beat them. I don't think Wisconsin's that good either. But – then maybe nobody's any good except for like six teams. If we're going to yeah. keep splitting hairs about who's well, good and who's not, there's, really no, yeah, there's no mistaking how good Wisconsin's defensive front seven is. Right. And that's why, you know, this whole Wisconsin Crimson Tide or Cincinnati, listen to the entire analysis. I mean, how can you come away from a Wisconsin game thinking anything other than that is a ferocious defensive front seven? With an awful quarterback. Absolutely. And yeah, we knew no, that. Yeah. We knew that yeah. too. I mean, it's I, like I, to your to your point. Like, if Notre Dame wins this weekend and Georgia handles Arkansas, Notre Dame is in the AP poll. You're obviously jumping Arkansas. You're obviously jumping Cincinnati, and then you get to Iowa and Oklahoma. Would Notre Dame have a better win than either of those teams? Yeah, especially if they play well against Cincinnati. I, I don't, don't think I, I would. I couldn't get. I can't get Notre Dame any higher than no, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, or Penn State. But I could get them to five. Yeah, Oregon has the best win in the country right now. And Penn State has the two best quality wins. Yeah, two, uh, Penn State has the best wins when you think you're going to Wisconsin yes. and bring, and hosting Auburn. And then Notre Dame would have two really good wins of, of Wisconsin neutral and hosting Cincinnati. Notre Dame would have two upset wins, mind you. Yeah, that's right. I what, Oklahoma's ranked where? Are they fifth? Sixth. 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 I mean, I just I, – I, when have they played well? And, again, I don't see all the games, but I, I don't – I don't, I don't get some of that, nor does it really matter because you have an opportunity right. this weekend that you got them on your home field. So, so go get it. First for me too. What matchups do you like against Cincinnati? What matchups do you think Cincinnati has a distinct advantage? I, I really like Isaiah Foskey against either left tackle that they play, whether that's Williams or Tunstall. I think Williams has probably played himself out of that position. Um. You know, any running back or tight end that that encounters number 41, the linebacker that I talked about, any safety matchups uh, I like for Notre Dame. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot. I, I think that's a lot. I think that speaks to Avery Davis and Michael Mayer a little bit, right? Any safety yeah. matchup. Um, and that speaks to Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree in the passing game because about half the people listening, Pete wrote off, wrote, or Tim just wrote off, well, linebacker matchups, the right, we can't run the ball anyway. You can get the ball to those guys in space because it has worked. They're averaging 11, the combined, they're averaging 11 yards per attempt to the running backs. So there is that's helpful. Yeah. And uh, we didn't see a lot of it last week, but there may be matchup issues there. There is, I'm, 
they run a three-man front. Wisconsin runs a three-man front. It looks different. Yes. When the ball is snapped, it looks different against Wisconsin than it does against Cincinnati. That's to Notre Dame's advantage this week. Don't you think Brian Kelly said something really important today? We practice against Cincinnati's defense every day, and we have been doing so since the spring. Yeah. That was an answer to my question about, you know, because, I mean, Freeman, can you imagine how well Freeman and Mickens know the defensive personnel for Cincinnati? I mean, they should know yeah. every every slight advantage that they have there. Now, the question here asks, you know, where does Cincinnati have a distinct advantage over Notre Dame? I'm not sure. Oh, the edge rushing. I mean, this, yeah. I, anything coming at Carmody and Baker and the combination box of Baker and Carell and Baker and Christophic and Carmody and Carell. Yeah. I mean, all I, can't, of that, I can't, I can't, I can't deny that, yeah. but I don't think that, I don't think that you're going to see the Notre Dame offensive line overwhelmed by their linebacker core. And they're going to need by Cincinnati's linebacker core, and they're going to need the linebackers to be effective as was Wisconsin's. I don't see their linebackers doing that other than Beavers. I really like him. All right, well, I mean, Sauce Gardner against whoever Notre Dame lines yes. up in the boundary yes. is that's a, that's a big edge to Cincinnati. And I, I think that, you know, Kevin, Kevin Austin is, we're what, four games into his college career here. Three of them, two of them have been outstanding. One was good. One was terrible. This will be by far the toughest matchup that he has faced. That's a hands versus hands matchup, and Austin better improve from where he was against Purdue. Pin and poll. Is this Cincinnati team as good as their 2020 team? Absolutely not, in my opinion. Uh, uh, Justin I, Williams, I, who covers them, would agree with you. He doesn't yeah. think they're as good as they were last year. And I, you know, I, I will get I'll go linebackers, safety, and and especially left tackle, but both tackles. And that's that's pretty significant. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm I'm not saying that that they can't make plays at those positions, but in a comparison. But again, Nordame is not. No, they're not. But Nordame is clearly not as good as they were. It's funny because you started to do comparisons of positions, and I was just about to do it for Notre Dame, and then I remembered something. It does not matter what I say or what you say about who's better at quarterback, wide receiver, slash tight end, and running back, because they are all worse because of the offensive line. So that knocks out Notre Dame's offense is worse than last year's offense because you can't count on things. They can score points at times, but you can't count on things. The deep the defense is yeah, the deep ball. The defense is better. It's trending better. It's trending better. Yes. Right. It, These it, last it, two games. No, well, I mean, just like the style, better. the style of defense is, is so disarming yeah. for offenses when it's working well. There's not a I I completely believe the players with the defensive players when they were saying. We just needed to be out there in the game and, and understand how this works and what they really want from us. Kurt Heinisch tried to explain to us. He's like, and he's trying to be diplomatic to the coach. He's like, they want us to play with our hair on fire, but then, you know, we, we, we lose a gap. And it's like, part of it is learning not to lose that gap when you're playing with your hair on fire. And I, I just think they're getting there. And I don't think the offense is getting there. Irish fan 425 Desmond Ritter is a talented and experienced quarterback with good pre-snap recognition who handles pressure well. Do you think it would behoove Notre Dame's defense to attack slightly less, drop more players into coverage, play more zone, and try to get home with the front four or three? Uh, They are playing more zone. Yeah, they play plenty of zone. 
Um, I don't attack too much less. Than and that. I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know if I said this before we record or after it all runs together, but you can surround Desmond Ritter and sack him. He, you, you can do that. Notre Dame's capable of doing that. So yeah, he can run when he get, you know, if he gets out to the edge, he's going to run, but you can pin him, you can pin him inside and sack him. So, I mean, I, you know, Marcus Freeman is going to be aggressive. I, I don't, you got you, your defense is your defense. I think you have to play it. Um, they've already made some concessions, I think in zone coverage. Yeah, I think so. And I, I don't think that, you know, when you, when I go through the games and see like, all right, how many guys are they sending uh, on pass rush? Very rarely are they sending a fifth guy. Um, you it's, know, that, just that it's been a little hands. less aggressive than maybe I would have thought. Um, so I, I would think that would continue. I, I don't think they're going to try to overwhelm Ritter because, and I think the statistics sort of back it up. Like when Wisconsin hit big plays is because Notre Dame, not because, but one of the reasons was, there was one less guy in coverage because they had sent five or sometimes they had sent six. I don't, this doesn't strike me as a game where you're trying to trying to overwhelm Cincinnati with just bodies flying at the quarterback. I I just think the four do a great job causing havoc. And I, I seems like they've reeled in the Bertrand or white is always coming thing. Pete, your stats probably speak to that. If you look at the Florida state game, those guys were coming a lot in the Florida state game. Yeah. I mean, probably Um, less so against Wisconsin than any of the four. Would that be accurate? Right. Yeah. That's how it seemed to me. Um, you know, I, I, it's a different debate every week. I, I made the comment that Cincinnati's receivers are more productive than Notre Dame's. And you would have thought that I said, I don't know what, but Alec Pierce, Tyler Scott, Michael Young, uh, Trey Tucker, who has, who had a 99 yard kickoff return against Indiana and had a 97 yarder last year. Um, you know, they're tight ends. I, I was told that Michael Mayer is head and shoulders above their tight ends. And I, as a, as a talent and an NFL draft pick, I agree with that, but that doesn't make him more productive than Josh Weil. They're six foot six tight end that had six touchdowns last year. Mayer had two. So, and their second, their, their second tight end, Leonard Taylor is definitely better than Notre Dame's second tight end as a pass receiver. So you have to respect what they can do with their passing game. Uh, this is kind of in line with what you're saying, Pete. You have to respect that because um, if you leave a bunch of one-on-one coverage on the back end, they've got players that can beat you. This is a bit of a tangent, but you listed a lot of players and you know, kind of comparing to Notre Dame. So we all kind of agree that Kyron Williams, Michael Mayer, Kevin Austin, the first three you talk about. Chris Tyree is so clearly either number 3A or 3B ahead of the rest. I mean, and then Avery Davis. You, I, I am going with the masses that Chris Tyree, like 14 snaps is not a thing. Chris Tyree is a, such a bigger weapon than Braden Lindsay is on the football field. And George Takis is on the football field and Joe Wilkins is. I, and I should not, I did misspeak about Avery Davis. Avery Davis is clearly the most, one of the more consistent players on the team. But I, I, you got to find a way. And Tommy Reese can do it. Chris Tyree has to somehow. I'm not taking out Kyron Williams. He's just, Ty, Chris Tyree's got to be in there. So who who plays? Where do you play Davis? I play, and him? I play the other wide receiver less, you know, and, and I, I get Kyron Williams out and Chris Terry in the backfield. I just need a little bit more from guys that will make plays, especially if Lindsey doesn't make a play here in the first quarter and a half, right? And you take a shot and someone's draped all over him because it wasn't a great route or they just can't connect with him. 
sometimes you have to realize. Yeah, we we really need to collectively keep an eye on the press coverage against all these wideouts in this game. Yeah, and I don't tend to do it. I don't tend to do it. Well, it's hard. We we have so many things that we need to see and map and chart that it's difficult to do. ACC TV teach. Could be a close game on Saturday that comes down the kicker. What is your confidence indoor after a few misses the last few weeks? Mine's a lot greater than it is for Cole Smith, the kicker for Cincinnati. He's 15 for 28 in his career. Now, most of those losses or uh, misses came early in his career, but he's one for three this year. He hit that. He, he had a 50 yarder that hit the left upright. He missed a 37 or 33 yarder, missed a critical extra point against Indiana when they were up 23, 21. Um, so, uh, John Doerr kicking in Notre Dame stadium versus Cole Smith kicking in Notre Dame stadium, significant advantage for Notre Dame. He bounced back with a 51 yard field goal after missing last week. Yeah, I agree. Like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like when Doerr misses now, I don't think it has anything to do with what happens next, which is not, which is not how it was before. Yeah, I mean, it kind of got that way in the last five games last year, but I would yeah, agree that it like hasn't been that way. Year. No, I agree. The first four games, he's he's bounced back, and there may have been there may have been some other issues. The forty-five yarder that he really pulled so badly against Purdue. There may have been some other issues involved there, but in a, I mean, as far as kickers go, I would feel pretty good about Nordheim's matchup this week. Fifteen weekend. for twenty-eight. That is downright archaic. Well, he kicker. missed. Yeah, he 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 missed. Like seven in his first year, he was like five for twelve. Yeah. You imagine a Notre Dame kicker being fifteen for twenty, right? But he's one, like, but he's right, and he's one yeah. for three this year too. Yeah. Uh, his balls, he really, he hooks a lot of his kicks. So you know, distance will be an issue for him. T.J. O'Malley, who's the backup quarterback if Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckner can't play this weekend? And Kelly referenced this uh, again after Wisconsin that we're going wildcat if uh, Pine got hurt. So. I don't know if that means Avery Davis gets in there or Brendan Clark Williams back there. We didn't ask about Brendan Clark. We had a, there was a question and I didn't include it. I Brendan Clark's not healthy as far yet. As far as you know, right? I saw him Pete. We saw him though in a blue Jersey. So he was running the scout team, which means he's, he's viable. He's viable now. So Tim on Tuesday, when he was walking out, he was in a blue Jersey. That means you're at least healthy enough to be out there because you can't run the scout team if they're not allowed to hit you. Yeah. Uh, we need to ask that question. He probably I, I has no reps. He probably doesn't have reps with the non-scout yeah, it, team. It's all scout team reps. Yeah. First of all, Buckner would appear to be – He's Brian Kelly said he's where he was going into the Toledo game. So do you tr- Do you believe – you trust that one, Pete? The yes. Brian Kelly – yeah. That I will, one I, that I'll one roll I, with that one. Yeah, that one, I, that one I trust. So Buckner's in play, uh, and so that's, that's the situation uh, with that. All right, back-to-back questions here from uh, Irish John M. Call me crazy, but uh, I am more concerned about Cincinnati's offense getting chunk yardage and points against Notre Dame's defense than I am about Notre Dame's ability to move the ball and score points on Cincinnati, mainly because Ritter and Ford present similar problems as Jordan Travis and Florida State's backs did. And then from uh, Foxborough to Johnny, will the Irish offense or defense have more success against Cincinnati's personnel? I know where Irish John M. is coming from. Yep, but yeah. I, it's been it's, growth. There's too much growth. For yeah, defense. exactly. It's a it's a dated uh, perception, which I was totally accurate. 
uh, on Labor Day weekend. Um, but you know, Notre Dame is not playing that style of defense anymore. Um, and they just, they know who they are. You know, they can, they have a four, four, they have a dime package, like they can mix and match. They can rotate. They have, they have a Jordan Patello now. Um, <laughs> you know, just, it's a different, different setup. I mean, I'm interested to see like, you know, the Kaiser prior combination. Does that even out a little bit more after last week? But, um, I, I am still, you know, we'll get to predictions later, but I, I still think both defenses have the advantage over both offenses. I completely agree that both defenses have the advantage for both offenses. And I don't sign up for debate. And they better because no, half, but of, I, half of Notre Dame's offense doesn't work yet. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I cl- clearly we're not going to like completely agree with this notion, but I will from the standpoint that Brian Kelly mentioned, you know, the deep ball from Ritter. I've talked about the receivers. They've got a bunch of, I don't know how many deep passes, but they've done it against lesser competition. And the other factor here is that, you know, the Ritter Ford read option stuff, they're going to be really good at that. I mean, Ritter, if you get Ritter outside off the read option, he's dangerous. Ford's a good running back. Um, You know, I think they're going to operate that about as well as you're going to see a, a read option operated on that part. That that part I agree with. That's a, uh, something that was not on the table in the last two games. Yeah. But you know, I mean, I think Nordin can run a little bit. I think Nordin, you know, if, if, if it's Jack Cohn, I, you know, I think there's some, there's some gaps downfield that, that have opened up against Cincinnati and, 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 and they only have four sacks in three games. So without a without a linebacker core that rushes the quarterback as well as Wisconsin did, I mean, I understand where the questions are coming from. Ritter is seven for 13 over 20 yards with three touchdowns and no picks. So that's a quality start. And there's, Competition, competition's I mean, there's different, a, but that's a good start. You know, he had an 81-yarder on the first snap of the season. <laughs> To uh, to to Tyler Scott, a um, couple so of the they backups. got that bump in the rankings that first snap of the season too. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. A uh, couple of you know, a couple of their backup receivers have a forty-eight yarder and a forty-seven yarder. Um, you know, it's a it's a bit of a concern. Jim Jimbo Cooter fifty-five. <laughs> if Jack Cohn can't go or if he exit early on Saturday, what is your prediction and our and our take on percentage of snaps played by Pine and Butner? I, is Jimbo Cooter a subscriber or a Twitter? Because I love this handle. It's incredible. I think yeah. uh, I'm not, I think Twitter, but I'm not positive. Either way, it's great. Go ahead, Pete. That's great. Um, I, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday that like, if you told me Jack Cohn was starting, or you told me that Drew Pine was starting, it wouldn't change how I felt about Notre Dame's chances to win the game, which is a weird position to be in. Um, so I think that it would still be over and for this question, I think it would be overwhelmingly pine with a little bit of Buckner, but also it's like the reason you bring in Buckner is because he's super mobile and a change up to a guy who's not at all. If you're playing pine and you have a quarterback who's mobile, I don't know if you need to go mobile or, um, with, with Buckner at that point. So I, I would think it would be a heavy, heavy amount of pine. You'd lose. I would think you'd Buckner lose maybe a series or two, but. You know, Mobile is also 
Pine can move and get away, Buckner can run for 27 yards and run through tackles and break tackles. Yeah. So you still got to go with him, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Tim, I don't know that the uh, snap distribution with Pine and Buckner is much different than it is with Cone and Buckner. Yeah, there might be one more, a couple more situations where you're like, well, we don't need to have Buckner bail us out right here. You can just play football with Drew Pine, but that's right. a problem. But you still want to get Buckner's athleticism in there. And Pete, to answer your, uh, to follow up on your, you're not sure if it would change your opinion at all. According to Las Vegas, Jack Cohn, um, they, they rank all the quarterbacks for if you're not going to play, how many points they have to change the point spread for. And Cohn is 0. 0.0. Okay. So there you have it. Sam Howell is four, and you can go ahead and everybody can laugh at that right now because all that means is people like Spencer uh, Rattler's four. I think it means you don't have a great backup, too, when that happens. Vegas knows backups. Go fight, win, go Irish. Since the offensive line can't block anyone at the moment, why not try moving the pocket with design rollouts? Or how about more wide receiver screens that allow someone other than the offensive line to block and get the ball out quickly? Do we? Do you really want to see an immobile Jack Cohn on the run? I mean, I get it with Pine. I definitely yeah, I get, get it with too. Pine. Uh, and I also, I do, I get the question, of course, because you'd like to get, get, uh, allow him to buy some space. But I, I, you know, I don't know that we necessarily want to see Jack Cohn sprinting out. <laughs> I, you know, I think he's more inclined to just, like I said, throw it away, whereas Pine might look up field with it. I, I get the point of asking it, but I'm not sure that that solves the problem. I love the idea. I think we mentioned this on last Thursday's podcast when we thought Tyler Buckner was healthy, like Buckner in there, two back RPO sprint out Tyree's wide open for the touchdown. Like that, that stuff, please more of that, but you need Buckner and maybe pine um, can do it too. But um, yeah, I, that that's all great for the other quarterback. Um, But I I don't think it makes sense to ask Jack Cohn to do that. If you're going to ask a quarterback to do that, put in a quarterback who that would be considered a strength. Um, this is a good time to ask the question because I was just thinking about how you could use Pine for that as well. Who do you guys think is going to start on Saturday at quarterback for the team we covered? I'm really exposing our expertise here, O'Malley. <laughs> I, no, I'm just, no it's just, I just thought I was like, well, I don't, I don't well, know. Would it be Pine? Why would it, why wouldn't it be Pine? And then I was like, well, I, I don't know that it's necessarily an expertise thing. I think no. it just depends upon, how healthy Cone is. is no, that, I just think it's funny that like we're dialed into Notre Dame football and can't tell you who's starting. Who's gonna start. yeah, I think they might know. There's I really game, think there's they a know. game in two days and we don't we know. Can, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we could let you know though what uh <laughs> someone's gonna be out with COVID at some point. No, I it's no, it's a good question, right? I mean, it's uh I don't I think Pine's gonna start. There, I'll throw one out there. Yeah, I I okay. If you ask me to pick, I'll say him because I don't think that. Jack Cohn's going to be quite healthy yeah, enough. That's exactly the question right. also included wide receiver screens, screens. We have a lot of questions about why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Why don't they do this? And why don't they do that? And it kind of, you know, it kind of fluctuates from week to week as to what, what they did run and what they didn't run. Like I said uh, on Monday, they had 68 snaps. There's only so many things that you can do. And there's only so many things you can do well, yeah. you know, many times what was emphasized during the week? What are, what, what do you want to use? Okay, well, now they're taking this away, so we don't want to use that as much this week. I They didn't throw as many screens to the running backs last week. Must be a reason for that. Uh, you know, Tommy Reese isn't just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. 
So you're saying uh, that if a podcast listener asked a question about that, like that Jim Leonard also might have asked a yeah, similar that question. Might, yeah. Hey, before I forget, RPOs with with Ritter, really good at that. I mean, legitimate run pass options. That's going to be a handful. And now it goes back to Iris John M's question because I get it. I, I get it. They can do a lot with, with Desmond Ritter. Yeah. Florida. You know what? That's, that probably wasn't fair of me since he brought up Florida state. My point was that defense doesn't exist anymore. I'm not saying that Cincinnati yeah. can't yeah. stress them. It's just that that defense does not factor in my, in my opinion. Cincinnati anymore. can do more offensively than any of the opponents that they faced up to this point. I would hope so. You know, they beat. Yeah. Uh, Donnelly three, four, three, four, looking ahead to next year, which of these guys could you see coming back? I'll do them one at a time. Drew white. No, no, no. Bo Bauer. Bo Bauer. Could I see it? Yes. But I've never once gotten the feeling that he is going to come back when I talked to him, uh, last spring and this August. Same. Uh, he has a reason he could come start maybe a middle linebacker. Yeah. That's a, yeah. that's all. I'm, that's all I'm thinking. That would be a clear, clear shot. If Drew white comes back, Bo Bauer. He's Drew White's not coming back. But yeah, the re- no, he's not. The reason not. Bo Bauer sh- maybe should not come back is I think he and he's pretty self aware guy. I mean, remember we everybody wanted Bo Bauer to start a few years ago. He's like, no, I got beat out. I'm I'm, I'm working at getting better. Yeah. I have good players. Bo Bauer's career starts next year in the NFL as a special teams demon, and he is not going to be a starting linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. I would That's like to see. I would like to see him. I'd love to. I want One year back. starting as a college oh, linebacker. I, I really want him to come back. All right, Houston Griffith. I'll leave that one for Pete. I could. I mean, I could see it. I, I don't, but I don't know where his head is at with that stuff. Like, I think these guys. Yeah. You know, they they want to go pro, especially when they're done with school. Um, you know, would he benefit from coming back and <laughs> playing full time without Kyle Hamilton? I think so, um, but. I, Hard time kind of getting a read on him. I'm going to channel Carlton Scott on this one. He's going where? Uh, Tariq Bracey, I think, needs to come back, and yeah. that one seems kind of logical. Right. I agree. Yes. Avery Davis, I would say no. No. Same as Drew White. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Question from W. Oosterhoff. Does the chance of rain change your prediction at all? Which, by the way, it is the chance of rain is decreasing every time I look at it. It was at 57%. Uh, you, first of all, you guys go ahead and while I'm looking <laughs> this good up. radio right there. Yeah, real good radio. <laughs> while I'm looking this up, you guys comment whether you think um, rain changes your prediction. No, because um, I think it's going to be low scoring and rain would just make it low scoring. Yeah, I'm with you. Low scoring here. Why would, why would range change anyone's prediction here? Because Notre Dame didn't play, play well. No, because Notre Dame can't run. Michigan. That- I think he's saying because Notre Dame can't run this year. Yeah, I mean, if it was North Carolina State rain, um, then yeah, that would change my prediction. Um, I God, I hope it's not Michigan rain either. That was just disgusting. Now, it opened at fifty-seven percent chance of rain. It's down to forty-three as of this morning. Now, if you're traveling on Sunday, heavy rain. But I, I don't, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that. And our final question, which leads into our predictions from Plaked ITFDB after an exhilarating win over an allegedly good team in Wisconsin. Is this the week where the offensive line's inadequacy is finally too much to support the offense and Notre Dame loses? 
Wisconsin is not allegedly good on D. They are good on D. They are, in fact, now allegedly good team. Right. They're poor on they're poor on one side and good on the other. Yes. Predictions. Uh, Good chance of this. Pete, you go first. No, I mean, I I think there's an excellent chance that this is sort of um, where the luck runs out for Notre Dame on the offensive line, where they can't overcome turning linebackers loose and being in third and 12 uh, all game. So it's, or you know, they can't live with rushing for three yards again. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's hard to go undefeated with this offensive line. Um, and I, so, yeah, it, of all the games this season, this is the hardest one remaining, I believe, right? Um, yeah. In terms of the opponent, and would you agree with it, me, Pete? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Would yep. you agree with me that this is this is the best team on Notre Dame's schedule this year? Uh, yes, I thought at the beginning of the year I thought it was Wisconsin because um, I thought Graham Mertz was going to be really good. He's not, so now it's Cincinnati because Desmond Ritter is really good. Tim, is this the best opponent on Notre Dame's schedule? Yes, because USC and North Carolina have fallen okay. so far. Okay, Pete, I apologize. Your prediction. Oh, um, well, uh, last week I picked Wisconsin and I hated it as soon as I said it. Um, this week I'm picking Notre Dame and I may have a similar opinion about that prediction as soon as I say it, but I think Notre Dame 24, 23, I think that what I'm grasping onto here, why Notre Dame wins is I think that last week showed some connectivity to how to win the culture of winning from the previous three years that I, that I wasn't sure existed anymore, just based on the amount of massive turnover they had in personnel, new coordinator, all that stuff. Uh, but I Notre Dame showed, I thought quite a bit last week. Uh, and that's why I think they will get out of Saturday at five and zero, which is pretty remarkable. Um, considering how different this team is from last year. So I'll go Notre Dame 24, Cincinnati 23. Um, I have four reasons I'm picking Notre Dame in a similar score. Culture is number one. You're absolutely right. They are they are a group of winners playing another group of winners in Cincinnati. It's at Notre Dame. There's a lot going on with Notre Dame to like there and just the kind of 35,000 feet. Defense is number two. I think Notre Dame will have the best defense on the field in this game as well. Wait to be proven wrong on that one, but I think it's true. Dudes, number three. I like Michael Mayer, Kyron Williams, and Chris Tyree doing something. Avery Davis is becoming one. Um, I'm wary about Kevin Austin. I hope he has a pretty good game. That's all that matters, right? Kevin Austin can be targeted eight times with two catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. That's great, right? Two, ten, ten targets for two catches, 87 yards and a touchdown is fine. But my real reason is I think they can now combat their weakness. They have found something. They are not afraid if Jack Cohn starts and it doesn't work out because he can't get out of the way of the rush. They are not afraid to go to Drew Pine and they have Tyler Buckner. And we joked about three quarterbacks. If Jack Cohn starts, I think you'll see three quarterbacks. That. I, I, I think actually that, yeah. believe that will happen in this, in this game. I just think they have found something to offset <laughs> that fatal flaw for a little while. I would pick Cincinnati at Cincinnati, I think. But I, I like Notre Dame here. 24-20. Uh, I think this is definitely uh, the best opponent Notre Dame plays this year. I think they can lose on Saturday. I will have my prediction in the preview on Friday. Um, I think it's low scoring. And I think that um, overall Notre Dame's a better football team. And as I wrote last week, that doesn't always mean you win. Um, 
but I, it's a great matchup and it's a, I mean, for Cincinnati fans, you gotta love it for them. This is they're getting, they get to come into Notre Dame stadium and what an opportunity for them. And uh, it's a really good matchup. Notre Dame should get all the credit in the world if they win. And obviously Cincinnati will as well. So we will, uh, Tim and I will be back with everybody pregame before uh, Notre Dame, number nine, Notre Dame takes on number Cincinnati, number seven, Cincinnati this Saturday. The Notre Dame Football Heritage Project is documenting the Notre Dame football fan experience and we'd love to hear your game day stories. Commemorate your first ND game with the purchase of a customized certificate and help support the Araparsegian Medical Research Fund. To learn more, visit ndcertificate.com.